Amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Let's give them some love. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Noah. Appreciate it. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy, yeah, that was enthusiastic. We are feeling good about the New Year. Uh, no, we're feeling good about the New Year. I'm uh, excited to be back here. Whether you're reflecting this year or just another day for you, right? I appreciate different positions and, and commentary because it's okay wherever you're at. Uh, you know, going through conversations or Instagram and, uh, you know, there's lots of people ready to move on, right? Like, thankful for the lessons, but let's go. I need 2020. I need a fresh start. And one of my friends that jumped out to me, my friend Jay, uh, he lives in San Diego. And he just wrote, he's like, he's like, thankful for 2019, hoping for more of the same. Like, he had a really good year. He's content with his year. He said, let's go on. To, I don't feel that way, like, for sure. Like, I don't know if I can, I wouldn't survive another year like that. But that's okay, too. Like, you know what? I had a good year. Uh, let's just keep it, let's just keep it going, right? Uh, lots of us are ready for a restart, right? Some kind of, some kind of fresh start. And, and why do we need to restart, right? Like in a race? Uh, you know, when you're racing your friends as a kid and, and, and you know, you, you take off. And like, hold on, restart, restart, restart. Why? Well, because you weren't ready. You, you, were, you, you felt like someone got a jump on you. So, like, wait, let's do that again. I wasn't ready. Some of us just don't feel like we're ready sometimes for a new year or, or a new season. Like, I need a restart. You know, maybe your year is just filled with the other, you know, usual ups and downs, and you're kind of ambivalent as to your position. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's another day. But this is our life, right? Life's a gift. Our days, our weeks, our, our sunsets and cups of coffee. You know, how do we feel about it in general? How do we look at it? How do we look at our life? How do we look at the gift of life? And I was reading through the Genesis story uh, this week, and, and uh, you know, one of the things that kind of jumps out to me and, and has previously, but... When Adam is in the garden and he is uh, you know, doing his thing early on and he, he, it's before Eve and even before the creation of the animal kind and God looks at him and says, you know, this, guy's, this guy doesn't, isn't good for him to be alone, right? He needs something, some companionship, some, some people to be around or something to be around. And so the Lord starts, says, the Lord said this in Genesis 2, so the Lord formed from, from the soil every kind of animal and bird and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever he called them, that was their name. But still, there was no proper helper for the man. So we're like creating uh, animal kind for Adam to have a helper or helpers for doing whatever he's doing. But he's also in a creative process with God. It gives them something to do together. Like God's like, this guy needs something to do. Maybe if, we, if I make animals and he has to name them, I'll just keep making animals. I don't know how long that went on. We give him something to do. But it wasn't really working out. So wow, there's still no proper helper for the man. The man still feels alone. The Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, took one of his ribs and closed up the place from which he had removed it, and made the rib into a woman and brought her to the man. goes on to say this in most translations. This is now bone of my bones. This is Adam waking up. This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. Which feels a little downplayed, right? When we read that kind of text, like, hey, he's going through all this time. He's, he's searching for something. He's like, oh, I'll just call this thing woman. Like, there's another kind of version that kind of reads into it a little bit. Because you imagine he's alone, and he has God, but it wasn't, wasn't quite enough. He still needs some other connectivity, and he's naming the animals. And he falls asleep, and he wakes up to Eve, right? This, this person that looks like him, but better, uh, is also probably naked, right? He's like, oh, my gosh, like, there's something going on here about this, this gift. The Living Bible says this. It says, Adam woke up and said, this is it, exclamation point. This is it. And it goes on, she is part of my own bone and flesh. And he's responding to this gift, this is it. And we look at our life or, or our days or people around us and, and your, your circumstance, 
this is it can go a couple different ways. Like, this is it? But Adam woke up and said, this is it? This is what you took out my rib for? We're like, this is it. This is what I've, I've, I've been looking for. This is important. This is, this is, this is wholeness for me in this, in this time. Because we've all pulled up to some place that we thought was going to be good and it isn't, like a hotel or a restaurant or someone builds something up to you in, in like a, a meal or burrito and you get it like, this is it? This is it? And Adam uses those words, but it's just how you use them. This is it. This is it. This is good. This is it. And it's how you look at it. Well, this is my life. This is your year. This is it. This is going to be a year that God's going to move. You're going to have growth. Good things are going to happen. You're going to continue to live in his blessing. Or like, oh, this is it, another year. It's just perspective. All right, some of us wake up, man, I wonder how many bad things are going to happen this year. Any day, any year. This is it. The borrow from Mary Oliver says this. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? There's value to the life. There's value to the day. And I'm not saying everyone has to have this whole journal and a new plan for the new year, but it's a way of responding to us to it every day. And once a year, we get this chance to kind of restart and reboot. Like, this is it. This is my life. This is what God's given me. I'm excited about the days. Days are going to fill things that, that, are, that are good. And some of us are so afraid of life, like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And if you think about it in this, these terms, and I can't remember who said this to me, said life doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. If life is a gift, because some of us are so reactionary to life, oh my gosh, it's coming at me, it's gonna, what's going to happen next, it's hurting me, it's hitting me, bad things are happening, life's, oh, life's happening. But life happens for us. God created life for us. He gave breath for us. It's a gift. It's grace. And so for us, being able to have control how we look at things, is key sometimes to breaking free of sometimes our ruts or depression or, or starting over. We have to change our mindset, change, our, change the way we look at things. Corinthians says, uh, says this in, in chapter 4, 18. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And to set that up in verse 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, talking about struggles in the world, which we have, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And then he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. But the things that are seen, this is the whole visible world, right? We get that. And the unseen is the things that are, you know, realities beyond the stars. It's just stuff that we can't quite imagine, the, the invisible realm. And sometimes we get caught up in thinking that invisible realm, what we don't see yet is, is the future. Like, oh, that's just, that's heaven. Someday we'll, we'll get that. But the apostle here is really writing to give them an idea. Like, this stuff's happening now, too. You just don't see it with your eyes, but it's happening. These troubles are achieving eternal glory. You're being renewed day by day. It's happening right now. Even when it's hard, it's happening right now. I know you see one thing, but something else is happening. Some of us need to remember that and to look for those things. What else is happening that I don't see? When it's, when it's hard, or even when it's good, when it's challenging, when it feels like there's nothing happening, what's happening? What's happening in the invisible? What don't I see? What's going on day by day? We I mean, too often think of those things as separate places and se separate worlds. Well, the invisible is here. It's pressing in around us. It's, it's, it's present. It guides us. And Paul encourages us, those who are suffering. He's like, look again. It's happening right now. Don't just be waiting until you get out of here. Well, someday we're going to die and it'll be better. I'm like, no, it's, it's happening now. Open your eyes. Look again. You just don't see it. We were at the Broad Museum uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a few weeks ago, 
uh, before Christmas, just our family and I went down to LA for uh, a little bit to hang out and, and um, cool modern museum and going through with the kids and just some fun exhibits. And uh, go to this one painting, and yeah, sometimes you're kind of following people who are really into something. Well, I guess I should be into that too. Let me, let me see what's going on over here. And we go into this room, we start looking at this painting. It was nice, but I wasn't like, didn't totally get it. And then, and then the guy whispers like, oh, if you look, you can see faces in it. And I was like, what, you can see faces in it? I was like, okay. Uh, and I stare at it, I don't see the faces. You ever been to something like that? Like, look, it's right there. And like, I don't see it. Like, there's faces in it right here. And the kids go around, oh, you gotta stand from the side. You can stand from different sides of this painting and see these different uh, images being revealed in it. And we're looking at it, I'm like, off to the side, and I don't see it. And like, Cash, like, it's right there, Dad. It's up there in the water. See the face? I don't see the face! And like, then people are, now people are looking at me, and it's just this whole thing. Like, but if you don't see it, you don't see it. And if I eventually kind of got it, like, oh, there it is. And when you don't see it, you're like, oh, it's not there. But it was there. I just didn't see it. And was it there before you, before you couldn't see it? Yeah, it was. It didn't just appear. When we, when we change the way we look at things, Wayne Dyer, change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Sometimes we need to look at things differently. The Bible speaks often of perspective and how we, how we measure ourselves in, in the world and according to God's sort of grace and will. Man, I, just, I didn't see it. Oh, now I see it. And it changed. A few summers ago, we were, we were up in, uh, in Sequoia, and I borrowed some fly fishing gear from uh, someone. And we were packing up to go, and I could not find the real anywhere. And it was in this little pouch, and I, and I, I, I thought it was in this little blue pack, little pouch. And I was like, where is that thing? I knew it has been around. And I was kind of, kind of bummed about it. I borrowed it, and I was like, man, I don't want to leave it up here. I'll never get it back. And, and people were looking around, and I was like, gosh, I'm just kind of going crazy. I knew it was sitting right here. There was this workbench in the garage. We were setting up our fishing stuff. And, and a while goes on, and uh, the guy who was with, one of the guys we were with, Jeff, he, he kind of walks and says, hey, this it? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's totally it. Like, where was it? He's like, oh, it was sitting right here. And it was in a red pouch, not a blue pouch. And it wasn't that even that hidden, but it wasn't what I was looking for. Because your brain sometimes just weeds out stuff that you're not looking for. I had something in my mind, I'm looking for this thing, and it was kind of sitting right out there, and I just didn't see it. Sometimes we just need to look again. Some of us need to look again. Maybe it's something from your past, something that God whispered to you, some, even some hurt, some harder things. Look again. What's going on in your life? You may think you're done, but look again. I tell our kids like, to grab something, like grab your jacket. That's not it. It's not there. Look again. I hear mom say that all the time. Look again. Go to the fridge for something. I don't see it. Look again. Look again. I think that's like a word for us. Look again. Look again. The passage uh, we'll read today is out of Mark 8, uh, Mark 8, 22 through 28. And uh, Mark's a cool gospel, kind of a fast-paced gospel. Um, kind of Peter's take, generally understood as Peter's take on, on Jesus' story. And it often shows the, the Messiah as a strong son of God. He, he's doing miracles, and he's got power and compassion. But it also shows Jesus repeatedly keeping his, uh, his, his Messiahship hidden. So he's doing stuff. But then he kind of asks to hide because he's not willing to give it away. And it shows that Jesus understands the true nature of his, of his being savior, of his messianic uh, destiny. It's what Isaiah calls more as a suffering servant, right? Ultimately, he'll conquer death uh, for us through death and resurrection, not just through telling cool stories and miracles. So Mark, Mark you know, shows that throughout the text. And he shows his followers, even his closest disciples, kind of wrestling to see it clearly, like, wait, what's happening here? You're doing such cool stuff. Why are you pulling back? 
Why are you, why are you stopping? Why do you want to be hidden? You're, you're obviously the guy. Mark 8, 22 reads like this. When they arrived in Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. They begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's, on the man's eyes, he laid his hand on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see clearly, but I can't see. I, can't, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. And this story happens between two instances in Mark where the disciples are kind of blinded by their misunderstanding of Jesus. One's the feeding of the 4,000. When the disciples are asking all the wrong questions, Jesus says, don't you understand? They've just seen something. Jesus like, you don't understand. And then later on, Jesus is talking about how he's going to suffer and he's going to have to die. The disciples are like, whoa, no way. And Peter reprimands him, like, don't. That's not going to happen, Jesus. Jesus said, oh, Peter, get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And so all these stories in chapter 8 kind of link to how we see things. And Bethsaida, where, where they're coming from, uh, is talked about in Matthew. And it tells that Jesus rebuked these cities for their lack of faith. These were, these were cities that Jesus, if we could say it, he didn't like them. There was a few of these cities up there that he just, he's like, I am done with you. He actually said they're worse than Sodom. If you're familiar with Sodom, it was a pretty wicked place, didn't have a good destiny. Not necessarily for their behavior in Bethsaida, but for the lack of faith, for the lack of embracing Jesus. This is a place so enamored with their own religiosity that even the miracles Jesus did didn't sway them. And so for this, this blind man to be brought to Jesus, we see there's some people with faith. We don't know if it's the blind man. He was brought to them by some others. Because sometimes we need that. Sometimes we just don't have the, the faith in our own life. Like, man, I, I don't know. Maybe that can help, but I, I don't have the energy to do it. And so some people brought him. I right? think the story in Mark, like the paralytics, they brought him to Jesus. There's moments where we're hurting. We need healing. But we kind of lack the faith to believe that Jesus can do anything. Like, well, he can do it for someone else. I don't think he can do it for me. Uh, let's, I'm not going to show up. I'm not going to get into to any time of prayer with him. I'm not even going to ask because it's a waste of time. And so we need others to help us, right? There's some people brought him to Jesus. They're begging Jesus. They're like, man, I mean, maybe Jesus was on his way out. Like, I'm done here. Please, please, one more try. They're, they're, they're pleading on behalf of this blind man, which is amazing. They're starting, kind of interceding for him in some way, even though it's in flesh to flesh. Or if, if it was today, we'd be praying like, in jumping in. Like maybe they don't have the energy to pray for themselves, but we're praying for them. God, please, please do something for them. Bring healing. And this is why it's so important for us to be around people, right? This continuum of, of discipleship we talk about here in, our, in context of our community, right? We want to be around people who, are, who can encourage us. We also want to be around people we can encourage, right? When we do groups, men's groups and dinners, and we gather on Sundays, and it's, it's not just because you need help. Maybe you're fine. Maybe you don't need anybody. Maybe that person, what, man, good for you. But guess what? There's probably someone here who actually needs you. Maybe you should show up because someone else needs you. And our faith on our own, that's okay. We're just not always strong enough. Ever been there? Like, I just don't feel like praying. I, don't, I can't do it. Man, God knows. And that's why we need people like, man, I, I can't right now. Can you just be praying for me? Can you be praying for me? I just don't have the energy. We need each other in community. I was talking with Sarah on the patio a few weeks ago. After uh, I think I got back from my brother's first thing or second one, first one probably, and um, memorial. 
And I was talking with her, and she says, you know what, you know what was helpful for me? And she just started sharing about this, some, some counseling that she had done, been, been in, talking to this counselor. And she's like, I think it would be really good for you. And, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, starting that process. And, and, but it was really helpful for me to hear that from her. Like, you know, you should, you should look into this. Just, just, just sit down with her once. Just sit down with her once. Kind of pushing me, because it's so easy to say, you know, I'm fine. I'll get through it. And then someone says, you know, this was really helpful for me. You should try it. And that's a, that is kind of our process together when we're around each other in, in community, in discipleship. Here's something that happened in my life. Here's what worked for me. Here's what God did. Now let me help you try it. And I appreciate that because I know, Sarah, we have history. That's why we need relationship. If someone from just came off the street and said, hey, you should see my counselor. Like, I'd be like, uh, I don't know. Like, Maybe. But man, if someone you trust, someone you have history with, someone you know loves you and you love them back, it makes a big difference. That's why, that's why we spend so much time here trying to get people to know one another, to have friendships. So you can open up those doors so it's not just someone from the front saying what you should do, but someone sharing story. Here's what I've been through. Let me help you. I mean, that's why Jesus, came, part of the reason Jesus came to walk this thing out on earth. It's like, I'm going to live it out first. You watch me. Now you teach others how. You watch me have to deal with temptation and hardship and, 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 and struggles and suffering. And you do it. Now you teach somebody else. And Sharon, she's not even here. I, I, I would be, you know, I think she wouldn't care. But she, she, she offered, like, she said, you know, I'm gonna, I'll even pay for it. Right? She said, listen, I, I believe in this so much this will help you. I will pay for it. Man, that is, that is friendship. That is, that's actually discipleship for me. It's someone saying, okay. I'm going to jump in on your life. I'm going to talk about something that you need. And I'm going to take some steps toward making it happen. She sets this sort of thing up. And she said, you know, I'll pay for anyone who needs counseling. She didn't say that. But, <laughs> but it's really helpful. But that's, why we do, that's why we do relationship together. That's why we, do, we, we call community. But it's, man, it's friendships. It's when things come up, we can speak into each other's lives. And so for this blind man who we don't know comes from a place that, that struggled with its, their faith, there's people around saying, listen, I, I don't know how this works, but we've got to get you to this guy, and we'll do all the talking. Because you're too weak. Because some of us are just there. He's like, I can't even see. So Jesus comes, and, 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 he's, and he, he engages this conversation with these people. And he leads this man away. So, so the people are begging, and there's this scene, like, would you please just see our, our friend? There's some relationship there. Would you please see him? Jesus like, okay. Jesus leads, leads this guy away, it says, kind of outside the, outside the city. So there's also that element of our faith. Yeah, we need people around us, absolutely. Sometimes something about Jesus say, come away with me. I want you to come away with me. This is good that we have this here. It's good that you guys, you guys brought him. I want to take him away with me. I want to be alone with him. Man, there is no substitute for that. And we live in a world which is really hard because we're busy and we're distracted and it's noisy and, and we just don't have time for that. But for a willing to be led by Jesus to a place of solitude, away from the, the city, away from the busyness, away from the, the people, right, he'll impress upon us some new things, some new ways. And so he has this exchange with this, this, this blind man. And he does this kind of thing with his eyes. He just spit, he spits in his eyes. and um, throw a text up there. He spits in his eyes and he says, do you see anything? And I love Jesus. You know, we ask questions, and, and even through the Old Testament, we see God, the Father, kind of asking questions. And he knows the answer, right? He knows where this is going. He says, do you see anything? 
And we see this, this unfolding of this progressive miracle, right? Because he doesn't really see clearly at first. Only one that we see of, of its kind. He said, yeah, I, I kind of do. Um, but I see people, but they look like walking trees. I, I see, but it's, it's, it's kind of blurry. It kind of worked, but it, but it kind of didn't. And he's pretty honest about that in this moment. And we all have things that blur our vision, right? We, we can kind of see. Things that, that keep us from seeing things, people, yourself even clearly. Right? When you look at, your, look at your life through the lens of comparison, that's blurry. That's not looking at your life the way God looks at it. When you look at your life compared to who else you see on social media or other houses or other things that are going on, that's, not re- that's blurry. It may feel real. That's not how God sees your life. A comparison is this kind of blurry lens of one of many. And, then, and, then, and Jesus goes on to pray again to see how this man will respond. And I actually love how he responds in, in, in this first one. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm honest. I don't really see that well right now. I, I don't know how many of us have been. Oh, my gosh, this is so much better. Thank you. But he didn't pretend to be all okay. And Jesus didn't condemn him, condemn him like, you know what? It's good enough. Be grateful for what you got. How many of us have heard that? Isn't that like something passed on from parents? Be grateful for what you have. Jesus didn't say that. He said, all right, let's do this again. Let's, let's go another round. Let me see if I can get this right. And it's not like Jesus needed a second time, but he valued this exchange with this person and this example to his disciples and people watching. Like, yeah, this is, this is a little bit of a process sometimes of seeing clearly. Yeah, you can't see clearly yet. That's okay. I'm going to touch you again. I'm not finished yet. Some of us need to know that God is not done with you. Yeah, maybe he has touched you once and you felt God move at one point in your life. Maybe it's recently. Maybe it's long ago. He's not finished yet. He wants to touch you again. And don't settle for that blurred vision. Jesus knew the man he could see. And he he wanted to ask this guy this question. Like, all right, where are you at? And most of us are just content with like a little bit of that. I got enough blessing from God, a little bit of blessing. Well, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to say how I really feel because I I should be grateful. Yeah, we should be grateful, right? But we should want the most of God. We should want the most of God that he can give us. It's like, well, I got God's grace. I guess that's enough. I'm not going to ask him for anything else. We miss out on what Jesus calls the fullness of life. Okay. Is Is this it? Like, well, I should just be happy with what I have. Or is there more? What do you see? Like, oh, things are a little blurry. I'll be all right. I'll be fine. Like, no, I, I don't know. People look like trees. I'm, I'm not that impressed. So, all right, let's go. Jesus does this act again. And the, and the, and the Greek word for, for sea is blepo, and the sea again is uh, emblepo. And so turn, turn one's eyes on. So when Jesus goes around the second time, the, the, the language changes a little bit for the word sea. It says emblepo, from blepo to emblepo. Turns his eyes on. And some of our prayer, and this is my prayer, I need my eyes to be turned on. And it's easy to say, you know, I'm fine. I, I, I'm totally fine. But man, maybe there's something I'm missing, and you just don't know what you don't know. When I take off my glasses, like, I'm, I'm fine. I can do it without glasses. But you know what? This is a lot better. It just is. I can do it without it. And I can see, I should be grateful that I can see it all. But it's a little blurry. But like this, wow, it's clear. And when you're living blurry, you just live with it. You squint, you get by, you're fine. Say, God, Lord, help me see. Some of us just think you're seeing fine, but you're not. When I went to go get glasses the first time, I thought I saw fine. And kind of found out, oh, wow, I need glasses. 
And I think we always need that. We need those fresh eyes from God. We just get in ruts. Maybe we don't know what you're, maybe you don't know what you're seeing clearly. You don't know what you're missing. Right? Maybe it's something that you're just in your, in your life. I'm going to have the, have the band come out. I want to close out. And maybe it's an area of life that you've kind of buried, and you're like, I think I'm fine. I think it's fine. I want to say, we're, I'm, I'm fine. Even if it's used those, those phrases, or I'm, I'm good, I'm fine. I'm not great, I'm fine. I'm just going to live in that. I'm living with I'm fine. Right? Maybe there's some hurts. You feel like I'm good enough. I got past that hurt. I, I'm dealing with it. I'm fine. Maybe you need a fresh touch of Jesus for that. Maybe you should even say, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I'm even still hurt, but I know that thing from long ago that maybe it was back from when you were a kid and it was your dad and you know, I just sort of buried it and I think I got past it. But Lord, am I, maybe I'm not done. Would you touch me again, Jesus? Maybe it's the way you see yourself and you look in the mirror and you're just like, eh. And that's not seeing clearly. Like, Lord, help me to see clearly. Help me to see with your eyes. Touch me again, Lord. Maybe God is just this distant second in your life and you kind of know it and you're like, I don't understand how I can move him up a little bit. And Lord, help me see. Lord, touch me again. Help me understand. Open up my eyes. Don't settle for walking trees. It's not going to hurt God's feelings to ask him for more. Yeah, Jesus, the worst could have happened. He's like, all right, listen. You're going to have to get by with the blurry vision for a while. Jesus like, all right, cool. Let's do this. He's like, I kind of want to see what you would do if I just gave you a little bit. Do you want more? Do you have the faith to ask for more? And we're afraid of that sometimes with the prosperity teachings and this kind of things like, I don't want to ask for more. I don't want to be like that. But I don't want to settle for looking at the world blurry. I don't want to settle for walking trees. I want to see people clearly. Man, I'm grateful for where I am. I'm grateful for what I have. But I want to see and touch the fullness of my destiny. Right? My destiny as a father, as a, as a friend, as a husband, as a pastor, right? Co-worker, Christ follower, world changer. I want those things. Lord, touch me again. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you, who you are. We thank you for your grace, God, that, uh, Lord, you will engage us and encounter us regardless of where we're at. It's not based on who we are, but who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you do touch us, you interact with us. We are not too sick for you. We are not too blind for you. There is no eyes that are too shut that cannot be open. Lord, I pray for anyone who's just in this new year already felt like I'm just going to settle in. Lord, we ask for another touch. Thank you for that, God. We thank you for grace. Lord, for those of us who just, we know we have blurry eyesight, we just don't even want to talk about it. Maybe we're afraid of what we might see. Pray you open our eyes, Lord. Turn our eyes on, God. And Blapo, turn our eyes on this season. In your name, amen.